has fooled me once. Shame on shame on you. It fooled me, it can't get fooled again. Well, that was George W. Bush. We're just aligned by so many just brilliant people, aren't we? Welcome to the show. Pull up a chair. And thank you very much for joining me today. Do I have one for you? This is beyond, <laughs> like I said, they're making this up as they go along, okay? And there is this thing going on. They're searching the world for minerals. And before I get started on that, I think what I'll do first though, is I'm gonna play this mineral clip so you kinda of get the picture of where I'm going today. This is probably, probably, you know, wars make them a lot of money and stuff, right? Um, imagine being so evil that you gotta go around and do all of this other stuff. So let me do this, let me play this clip and um, then I have a lot more details, obviously. <laughs> about this plan of theirs to rob the world of minerals because I casually started looking into, um, you know, I never know what I'm gonna look into next, right? Because I've been recording as I go along all these years. So I haven't looked into, you know, I've had this file open about pipelines for a long time. There's a pipeline next to me in Nebraska that's blown or whatever anyway. So, you know, lots of chemicals and those pipelines and all that stuff. So. Anyhow, so I thought, well, why don't I look into, um, start going on this pipeline stuff, but first start with the fracking part. <laughs> well, well, well. So then I'm looking at these shows about fracking, and I'm thinking, well, it just seems to me that they can go and frack on your property if they want to. <laughs> well, turns out that's how it works. And it has to do with the mineral rights, okay? And here's how it works, just so you know, so when you listen to this clip, you'll have a little more information, okay? How it works is this, is that, let me scroll down here. Um, how it works is this, let me just do a search for mineral. Um, how it works is this, when you buy, <clears throat> well, we all know that if you're in the United States that you don't really own your property, but go look at my big timeline over at my website <laughs> uh, about how you don't really own anything because of your birth certificate and stuff. But let's talk about just what's going on in theory because people own property, right? <clears throat> so let's say you own a piece of property and all of a sudden they decide that there's some oil under your property. Well, you think, well, I'm gonna fight them. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> well, I think you better look again because here's how it works. Um, so I started looking around and some property in this country, um, if, you buy the, if you buy the property, you only own the surface land, okay? So that means that they can come in <laughs> and dig for stuff under your surface because you do not control that. So I'm gonna be playing this clip and then I have some very important news things that all kind of relate to this. <laughs> and. Um, because um, it's, 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 it's pretty big deal. I'm talking about, I never imagined this kind of big deal because then when I was wandering around this mineral business trying to figure out, well, what countries 
can you live in and own your land on the top and on the bottom, meaning the minerals. And that really got interesting because they're moving into places that, well, these things take a lot of water, a lot of electricity. So let me do this. Um, let me play this clip first. So what I'm saying is this, is this is a huge deal, okay? And I want you to really pay attention because there is no way that I could possibly go through and identify every country they're doing this to. But I believe you will get the picture. <laughs> this is a huge deal. And a lot of people are right now being blindsided because they were not aware that they did not also own the mineral rights. Yeah, so it's pretty something else how this whole thing got going. So let me not complicate it by going on and on and just play the clip <laughs> so you can see for yourself. So the plan is now they're organizing to understand, and I've been saying this for years, they're making this up as they go along. Because of all this so-called need for minerals and stuff, which we know really kind of isn't true. This is, they're, they're just in the final stages of raping the world, okay? And I don't know any other way to put this, okay? Oh, you know what? Before I do that, let me play this intro because this is about raping the world, right? I was scanning around the other day and these people, their channel's called Do Dissidents. And they had that, um, they had that fake submarine thing going on this week where they're saying that these billionaires got trapped in a submarine. Well, um, that submarine was being photographed in a swimming pool, okay? But these people, everybody, everybody thinks that the submarine thing is true. So what that provoked were a lot of jokes about billionaires. So this is very appropriate for where I'm going today with the billionaires and taking all of the minerals. There's going to be some swearing but it's a funny take on um, what went on with the general public here. And the saddest part about all of this, and I don't want to ruin the joke, is that a lot of people from Pakistan were killed at sea because they have also figured out that human trafficking is actually more profitable than smuggling drugs. Couldn't make this up if I tried. So anyway, so let's have a few minutes of laugh here about the rich, okay? So let me play this. Because what I'm going to be talking today is how the rich are going to be, well, you get where I'm going. Yeah, oh, shit, the hell up, that boy. Comes again, show that. <laughs> hey, what, so, so what, he's got money, so he's, he's hooking up with the OnlyFans. Dude, I hope those models drain his bank account. I hope they run him to the bank. That'll be the funniest thing ever. All right. There was a um, stepson or somebody of one of the billionaires that's come forward and, of course, is acting like an idiot, and that's what they were talking about. So I'll just let the rest of the clip play from here. So, 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 so this, this is the great – look, I'm going to throw a bone to my tanky friends. That guy is the greatest argument for a fucking communist revolution that you could possibly put forth. You look at that guy. <laughs> that guy has more fucking money than you and everybody you know combined. Why? Why? Ten times more. A hundred times more than everybody you know combined. Right. Yeah. That guy. Why? It's a meritocracy. Really? It's a meritocracy. That's that, that's, that guy <laughs> is at the top of the food chain. You're going to call that a meritocracy. That fucking, I wouldn't trust that guy to make me a hamburger. This oh, motherfucker's got, got a billion dollars. I wouldn't trust that guy to give me a glass of water. 
Like yeah, that was from Titanic. Like really, that is like a character out of Succession. This would this would have been something. Yeah, they went no, to I mean, with. such such a bizarre and yeah, darkly darkly comic story. I mean, a 19 year old kid died. Obviously, that's very sad. Yeah. And obviously, mm -hmm. we don't wish you know I don't wish wish harm on anybody. But these are thrill seekers. These are thrill seekers with no humility or respect for risk or really respect for life and death. I mean, that, that's that's what this behavior is. They knew this going in, that that's what this is. This isn't like Kobe Bryant taking his kid for a spin in a helicopter. You know what I mean? Like, that's, uh, you know, that right. you can't say right. anything about. Right. That's a helicopter ride. Right. Right. The safest thing in the world. Right. You get into a pod like this and plunge the depths of the ocean with some fucking whack job. Uh, who, you know, with three USB <laughs> PlayStation controllers. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. That's I'm the sorry. kicker. Like, I'm like that's, uh, if that's not a hit and a half for your ass, what is? Yeah. A game could, if that didn't scare you off, what would? Exactly. What would? Like, like the guy can't, if the guy fucking piloted it dressed as SpongeBob, would that, would that make you decide? <laughs> think, think, rethink it? Like, well, what, 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 what would be too over the top for you to get in that fucking song? You know, it was was it was my bare knowledge of going underwater. There's a couple things to factor in. You got the currents, you got the pressure, you got sea, salt water, which can do damage. Temperature. Yeah, and the temperature exactly. too. People who did it, who uh, you know, fortunately for them, uh, did it before the fucking salt blew up this time. Um, they say once you get down there, you have to put layers on because I mean they got yeah. they don't have a heating system that can handle that. So there is a sort of French Revolution vibe in the air oh, yeah. uh, with all of this. Um, we just, it, you know, it's strangely all centered on the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, here's one meme uh, that is uh, circulating around. Sorry, I have to get rid of some of these. My apologies. Just for those of you that aren't old and don't remember this, there has been a period of U.S. economics where they actually told us, the working class, that we could not get raises and, and nice things because if we demanded too much, they wouldn't pay us enough. They'd have to get rid of people. So everybody get in line because it was called trickle-down economics, okay? This false belief that they actually perpetuated for many years saying that workers can't get more money or the billionaires won't be able to pay you. And so then I will be quiet now and you'll understand what the rest of this clip because this quote, that meme that somebody made, I found it hysterical, okay? So let me go, keep going. Jeez, because too many slides, too many graphics uh, tonight. So uh, we just uh, selected three of these memes here. You know, Jerry Seinfeld, we should go easy on these billionaires. They're under a lot of pressure. Uh, then you have this one here, which I thought was good. Uh, it's loading up right now. Sorry, these are... Is that one not cooperating with me? Yeah, that one's not cooperating. You're done, you're off. That's it, I'll give you one more chance. There it is. It was my left at the ocean. <laughs> Wish they were... He's saying he kind of mumbled over it. Those millionaires at the bottom of the ocean wish they was poor now. Poor now. And then this was a tweet. This was not a meme. Um, but this is uh, the last one we have here. We have plenty of air up here. Surely some will trickle down. <laughs> um, 
So there's just it, it involved the uh, part of the Titanic wreck priceless. I thought that was a really good one. Oh well, that was the one that you tweeted out. Yeah, I forgot to pull that one, but we tweeted out one thing of the Mastercard, right? Two hundred and fifty thousand to yeah. visit the Titanic. Uh, uh, yeah, becoming a permanent, Titanic. permanent part of the Titanic bracelet. Priceless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, I do not believe that ten years ago people would have reacted that way. There, I actually saw somebody today, a kind of Libby friend of mine, uh, talk about how she had seen all of these comments on memes and how all of these people thought that these people deserved it and she was like what it, it was it kind of opened her eyes it was interesting to see a live like she wasn't like these people are horrible she was just like yeah wow i can't believe what's in the air it's like she it started to dawn on her well there's that, a lot of resentment uh, it's yes yes this is 10 years ago this wouldn't have happened and, and much less 20 years ago if you had made those kinds of comments, look, we always had our like genre of sick jokes, They're, you know, kind of kind of that more dark sense of humor, but it wasn't mainstream like the and and it was understood to be like a dark, sick joke, right? Like there were always jokes like what will it take to reunite the Beatles three more bullets, you know? Like you always had that kind of humor around, um, but that was not a mainstream point of view such that it seems like most people agree, yeah, fuck those motherfuckers. So, you know, people who actually, I, I was thinking about using it in this segment, but we already have enough going on. Um, you know, a couple of conservatives, including Matt Walsh, did segments like, you know, having the vapors about people reacting that way to the deaths of these billionaires. Well, you know what? People are facing such horrors and deprivation and death from lack of health insurance, from lack of proper wages, from lack of proper nutrition, from lack of safe neighborhoods, that, yeah, they do feel like, fuck you, motherfuckers, because it's because of you extracting all this wealth that you use to buy your spot on that sub that my friends down the block are dead, that my friends died of cancer, that my family members are in prison. It's because of people like you and the wealth that you extracted from people like me. So they're seeing that direct connection. Like, how did you pay for this? It's the same thing people were saying when he didn't die, uh, but when Bezos went up to the moon, right? Who's, who's paying for these billionaires to, to go have this fun? It doesn't feel, in America, whether it was valid or not valid, the general perspective tended to be, well, they're rich, they earned it, and there's enough for me to have my chance. And even if I don't get rich, if you work hard and play by the rules, you'll do all right. That was the mentality. So you didn't have, even if it wasn't true, there was enough wealth in the society generally to not have such an absolute fucking hatred and resentment of people who can just drop $250,000 to take a trip like this, mm -hmm. I would I would even say uh, in regards towards people's anger, it's it's been building for some time now. It's always been there, but the opportunity to really share it vocally uh, was always restricted. And now, with with yeah. so much utter hypocrisy in our face, it is reasonable and completely rational 
for individuals to say about these billionaires. And even, look, I don't wish that on anybody to say, ah, they deserved it. I don't care. Right. It's just a bunch of rich people. But even with the commu- means of communication, like, look, you, you had other means of communication. True. Yeah. Unless it was, uh, you know, the pamphlet you got from the socialists at Union Square. Uh, yeah, man, that kind of rhetoric was just not as prevalent. Like, you, you know, man, you had your punks and your anarchists who would have been like, yeah, fuck the rich, man, right? <laughs> you know, but that was not. Now it's like everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, now you, you're you hard-pressed to find somebody who's sympathetic to that. Please clap. Well, that was an interesting take. Um, it kind of fell on my lap. I think that I need to encourage you to think in silence because we're all being kind of propped up in our own way because, believe me, we're getting hit so hard in this house that these clips have kind of fallen into my lap is what I'm trying to implicate. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Let me get through the news because I tried to just focus on news that um, related to the um, stealing and stuff that's going on. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Okay, let me see here. Oh, I was going to play the clip first. Okay, no, let me see here. Yeah, I'm going to play the clip first because then then it will click into your head how this is going to compound with the already, um, well, okay. The title of this clip is The United States is Building a NATO for Critical Minerals. The U.S. is leading this effort. It's being described as a NATO for critical minerals. What they're doing is scanning the world and identifying things that they can come and rob. Okay, so let me play the clip here. So then you'll get, because I'm also talking in the news about other robbery jobs which seem significant for people to know about. Because I've talked a lot about Fort Detrick and places like that, and I found some interesting new data about that shows who these people are and what's been taking place. So this is the first starter. Known as NATO, formed in 1949, its founding document did not specify who could join and who could not. There was no need. Everyone understood that the collective defense that was its primary goal was that of the United States and its European allies, to the exclusion of the Soviet Union and its Eastern Bloc allies, who would later form their own rival organization, the Warsaw Pact. Oh, by the way, this person's channel, so I don't forget, I suggest you take a look at it because they're looking into these kinds of things. We have to keep putting our tentacles out, and instead of engaging with people who are feeding us garbage, with people who are out there trying to show us this information, right? The channel is called Mining the World, okay? And the show is the United States is building a NATO for critical minerals. So I will be quiet through the rest of it. In 2022, the United States invited a number of allies to join it in establishing a new organization dedicated to a different type of security, the Minerals Security Partnership, or MSP. Like NATO, the MSP is dedicated to an ethos to bolster critical mineral supply chains essential for the clean energy transition. Like NATO, it doesn't state which countries are eligible for membership and which are not. And like NATO, it doesn't need to, because it is quite clearly to the exclusion of certain countries, namely China, as well as Russia. 
Although China has a lot of mining activity, most of the critical minerals essential to green energy technologies are mined in other resource-rich countries. However, refining and processing of these minerals is dominated by China, which refines 100% of the world's natural graphite, about 95% of all manganese, 85% of rare earths, 75% of cobalt, 69% of nickel, 44% of lithium, and 40% of copper, to name the most important critical minerals. China is also the undisputed world leader at turning these minerals into finished products. For example, it produces around 78% of the cathodes and 85% of the anodes that go into battery cells, and 70% of the battery cells themselves, which then go into the battery packs used in electric vehicles. It also produces around 95% of permanent magnets made from rare earths, which, among their many uses, are essential to converting energy from the spinning blades of wind turbines into electricity. What Chinese companies can't source from mines in mainland China, they source from other countries, some of which they are increasingly at odds with from a geopolitical perspective. For example, Tianxi Lithium, one of China's two giant lithium chemical plants, is the majority owner of an Australian-registered company that owns a 51% share of the Greenbushes mine in Western Australia, the world's largest hard rock lithium mine. Tianxi also has a 24% stake in Chile's SQM, which is second in the world's lithium mine production. In both cases, Tianxi secured financing from a state-owned China development bank to help outbid its rivals, including US headquarters Albemarle, which just happens to be the world's largest lithium miner and the junior partner to Tianxi at the Greenbushes mine. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, China Molico acquired one of the world's largest cobalt mines and, later, one of the world's largest undeveloped cobalt deposits from American mining company Freeport McMoran, without a word from either the Obama or Trump administrations at the time. When it comes to certain critical minerals, Chinese refiners haven't had to go to the trouble of acquiring the mines. For example, because the United States currently has zero rare earth processing capacity, the owner of the sole US rare earth mine, Mountain Pass in California, sells all the minerals it produces to Chinese companies. This situation is now viewed with alarm in Washington due to the use of rare earths in American-made military hardware, including F-35 fighter jets, as I covered in detail in another recent video. For a long time, China increased its control over the supply of critical minerals without any comment from Washington. It was a convenient arrangement for both sides. Chinese companies were capable of refining, processing, and manufacturing products from these minerals at a far lower cost than anywhere else, benefiting American and Western consumers. Additionally, refining, processing, and smelting of metals is very energy intensive, far more than the mining of the raw materials themselves. For example, aluminium, or aluminum, another critical mineral dominated by China, is estimated to contribute around 3% of direct CO2 emissions worldwide. By offshoring much of the production to Chinese firms, the United States could write these emissions off as an externality, allowing China to shoulder more of the blame for climate change while enjoying the end of the product itself. But that was then, and this is now, with the US and China increasingly viewing each other as adversaries and a bipartisan consensus arising in Washington on the need to decouple from China. The US and its allies have also taken note of how Russia used its control of natural gas supply. This is when the old friends now start to act like enemies. Just like after World War II, they're old friends with Russia, right? Russia was in there fighting World War II with them. Then they had to become the enemy, right? So they came up with World War II. This is a cut and paste operation. So of course now we've got to build the hate toward China because production from China for all the consumer goods is now being moved into other markets like Vietnam and yeah, they're, they're, they're transferring the poverty rate around the world and for what little upside. See, what, what happened was the workers in China ended up 
getting some things, right? Cars and things like that. Well, now those same workers in China, I mean, China is getting hit with floods and stuff. I mean, China is gonzo at this point. But all the big manufacturers have effectively been moving out of China. And so, yeah, so they're moving to even cheaper markets to say, oh, Vietnam, here we come, opportunity jobs. They're always telling us opportunity and jobs. And unfortunately, all those jobs, or the majority of them, end up being quite deadly, if you ask me. So yeah, so they've been building up the heat against China recently, but keep this in mind. To this day, okay, they haven't moved the production of medication out of China. Now have they? China still manufactures most of the medications that these people claim are critical supply for their medical needs in this country. So just don't forget that part because <laughs> it's kind of like Iran, right? Iran has all of the transgender stuff going on and, you know, they still ha they have one nuclear plant, okay? So, and look at a map, just, just type in Iran surrounded by U.S. military bases. Iran is surrounded by U.S. military bases. I mean, just a flood of them. Almost, these people believe in overkill. It's kind of like at my house right now. I did post the map over on my website. Click on the link that says smart meters because um, they had one transformer on my property to begin with. I've already done the shows. Just look for my shows that have smart meter in the title. And if you want to look for the one about I'm being murdered by a smart meter, Brace yourself because I do a lot of swearing in that show. But anyway, so I had one. Well, as of this last month, they came out and I now have, I mean, there, there is not a place around my house. Go look at the map for yourself that I couldn't, there, there's not room to put any more than they've already put. <clears throat> Half dozen or more, all surrounding <laughs> my particular house, okay? <coughs> um, <clears throat> so... What I'm saying is, I think there tends to be this effort to also, along with this, underestimate the sheer power of evil. So right now, we're just rocking back toward the China is evil side, right? Just like the same, the same process that was done with um, Russia. Um, so now, but this time around, it's going to be China and Russia are on that side of the fence, right? Um, so they, China and Russia really had some pretty rugged um, game board plays going on over there with <clears throat> how those people have been treated. But anyway, I'm just here to call the bells and strikes. So, um, yeah, so they do move in for rather aggressive things. Um, and now we're just swinging back to China. So, <clears throat> and the, the big ploy had to start, remember, with those electric vehicles, right? That brought up this whole combo. I've done shows about all this stuff. That brought up this whole conversation. I never heard so much conversation about batteries <laughs> in my 72 years, okay? So I believe that the electric vehicles were kind of the conversation that started leading to all this, right? Gotta have this stuff. We need it to survive. We gotta get it anywhere in the world. We gotta go conquer it. See what I mean? The United States has never moved beyond that period when these people took over, these psychopaths took over. Their thinking has always been manifest destiny, okay? And I've done shows about that. Manifest destiny is the name of their game. It is take it over, beat everybody out of your way, 
and just grab as much money as you can and along the way this is why they've never cared about places to clean up the nuclear any of that kind of stuff because the plan is eugenics <laughs> so to Europe as a political leader during the war in Ukraine and they worry China could do the same in the event a war breaks out over say Taiwan the United States and partner countries announced the establishment of the mineral security partnership at PDAC the largest annual mining convention in the world Toronto Canada in June 2022 notably the MSP's founding partners comprise countries that collectively have the ability to control complete critical minerals value chain Australia and Canada and to a lesser extent Sweden Finland and Norway have an abundance of critical minerals mines and deposits Japan and South Korea are the closest competitors to China in terms of mineral refining processing and manufacturing and the United States and the Nordic countries also have some midstream production capacity and the US Japan South Korea United Kingdom France and Germany as well as the European Commission which also had a seat at the table represent many of the big players at the end of these value chains including automakers renewable energy technology firms and defense companies the MSP convened for a second time on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly meeting in New York in September 2022 this time additional mineral rich countries most of them politically unaligned to either the United States or to China were in attendance as observers namely Argentina Brazil the DRC Mongolia Mozambique, Namibia, Tanzania, and Zambia. Together, the countries that participated in this meeting have 24 to 68% of the known underground reserves, reserves being the economically viable portion of the mineral resource, to the most important critical minerals. The Mineral Security Partnership is effectively a practical implementation of an increasingly popular idea in Washington known as friendshoring. Friendshoring, as U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen defined it in a conversation with Canada's Deputy Prime Minister in 2022, is the idea that countries that espouse a common set of values about trade and conduct in the global economy should get the benefits of that trade so they have multiple sources of supply and are not overly reliant on sourcing critical goods from countries with which they have geopolitical concerns. The United States and its closest allies have put these principles into action both inside and outside of the MSP framework. In May 2022, U.S. Department of Defense asked Congress to amend the Cold War-era Defense Production Act, which provides funding for facilities in the United States and Canada, to allow it to also fund critical minerals projects on the soil of its two partners in the AUKUS Security Pact, Australia and the United Kingdom. And in November 2022, Canada ordered three Chinese companies to divest their holdings in Canadian lithium, tantalum, and cesium projects, citing national security concerns. As mentioned, the United States wants to involve a broader group of countries many of which don't currently have a strong preference for either side in the increasingly tense geopolitical competition between the US and China. For this reason, the US understands it must present a compelling case why it and its core MSP allies should be alternative downstream partners to China. US Secretary of State Antony Blinken outlined this case in the September 2022 meeting with the extended group of mineral producing countries. Critical mineral supply chains are simply vital to our future, he said, adding that to ensure these technologies can be deployed quickly, Countries have to come together to build resilient, diverse, and secure critical mineral supply chains. Without mentioning specific examples, he said that too often the relationships between minerals producers on the one hand and minerals purchasing countries on the other have been extractive and left behind environmental issues while delivering few economic benefits. Blinken made a pledge to break this cycle through meaningful collaboration, declaring <laughs> that minerals-rich countries should benefit from all stages of the value chain, from extraction to processing to recycling. 
Lincoln's speech was light on details of how this would be achieved, but he promised that the US or partner countries would help reduce the risk of critical minerals projects by providing loan guarantees or debt financing, or by connecting local mining companies with the US private sector. It remains to be seen whether the Mineral Security Partnership will morph into something much bigger than it started as, like NATO, which began as a group of just 12 nations and now include 30 members, including many former Eastern Bloc countries, but is still notably opposed to Russia, the successor to the Soviet Union. What is clear is that the big geopolitical contest of the 21st century will involve not only a battle of strength in economic, military, or cyber terms, but also a battle for control of the mineral resource value chains. And that means that mineral-rich countries that are currently in bed with either China or the United States may find themselves having to lean to one side or the other. I'm Nadav for Mining the World. If you enjoyed this video, please help me promote the I really hope you will go check this person out because I can only learn so much about this and I certainly am not in a position that somebody's going to be um, digging for oil under my house. So um, this is going to be kind of a mini tutorial for you to pay attention to your own area. You should know your own area. I mean, I just figured out my own area. I mean, I haven't known all this time that where the nuclear power plant <laughs> is in my area. I think that we've all been, we have all been remiss in not understanding what has been going on. So anyhow, so yeah, pretty interesting stuff. So the channel is called Mining the World. So, and the, this clip was called, The United States is Building a NATO for Critical Minerals. And they clearly know this mineral business. There's good people out there right now concerned, because this thing just got going, that are concerned and are pointing out some elements. So if I were you, I would um, start looking for groups in my area to, um, I don't know, what's the plan? Anybody going to stand up for these people? But... So that's all I have to say about that clip. Let me get back to the, um, um, let me get back to the, oh shoot, I didn't mean for that to play, but I'll go ahead and play it. Okay, yeah, give me a chance to take a breath. Okay, I learned how to um, use the pause button today, and you're going to think, holy crap, why didn't she know how to use that before? Well, because up until recently, the last few months, <laughs> when the complaints really started rolling in about my audio, it's basically been just me <laughs> and this kid that uploads the show. So yeah, and I, I have to um, pay him per file that he uploads, so learning to do it in one file is important, but also... It wasn't as important before as it is now because of what's going on around my house. So there's likely in the future going to be more times that I'll have to stop the tape. Now, will I do that just to do it? Well, of course not because when I'm recording a show is to share with you my on-the-spot <laughs> moments of where I am with all this stuff. So the idea to pause every 10 seconds because, A, I'm handicapped. It's not like I'm going to be getting up running around the house. <laughs> So anyhow, so let me get back to, um, so now that you know kind of where the wolves are going with this thing, let me get back to this. Okay. So there's this expression. It's called dog eat dog world. The expression dog eat dog world means a very competitive environment. Most people use it to describe the business world 
and people operating in their industry. For example, the tech space is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, and if you don't keep up with trends, your company falls apart. A dog-eat-dog -dog world refers to an industry where everyone is competing for the same thing, and they are willing to use an unfair advantage to get what they want. It means that someone is willing to get ahead at your expense and place you in danger to allow themselves to succeed. It can, re it can refer to an environment lacking ethics where people will do anything to get ahead at any cost. Some examples. We live in a dog-eat-dog -dog world, my friend. If you don't stay ahead of the pack, then sooner or later, someone's going to have you for breakfast. This is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, my brother. If you aren't willing to do it, ten people behind you will. Our business operates in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. The environment is hostile and new companies find it hard to build market share. This is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, and nothing will change it. People only look out for themselves nowadays. P phrases that are similar, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, crabs in a bucket, looking out for numero uno, it's all about me. Phrases that would be the opposite to dog-eat-dog -dog world, cooperate, cooperative environment, Collaborative effort, support at every turn, is what I am suggesting, okay? So, um, okay, just in the news, um, because I kind of talked offhandedly as far as the um, Marshall Plan being used to fund the CIA. <laughs> I'll give you some reference points, okay? Go over to Yandex, Y-A-N-D-E-X.com, and... Um, that's the Russian search engine. But I do have to say this. When you're scanning pictures on the index.com, let's say you're, you're looking for pictures of trashy, um, I did a, on the website, for, let me give you an example. On the website, I put together this timeline, okay? And because a lot of the information I've, I've talked about in the past, so I have to go relook for the pictures for it, right? So I knew how the Indian story in this country ended and how it has ended is they put Indians in these trashy trailers that came out of Katrina that proved to be toxic. And those same trailers are, what happened was FEMA spent all this money after Katrina, I mean tons of money, all taxpayer money of course, and produced these trailers which were all toxic. When they got caught with the toxic trailers, they, um, sold them <laughs> just put a sign on the window and sold them so a lot of these trailers ended up on Indian reservations and um, Indian reservations and um, oil rig sites so people going to work to get ahead right all these jobs right you go to work for an oil rig what happens is everybody's charging huge rents around these oil rig places so what do you get well one of these toxic trailers because they're still floating around this country so what my example is this, and it's very specific because I'm encouraging you to go look for yourself. So let's say you're looking for toxic trailers during Katrina. Well, when you're looking over on Yandex, which is where I will cruise around a lot, okay, because 
papers that may be more suppressed, let's say on Google, will pop up earlier if you're using the right keywords on Yandex. Okay, so while you're looking at these trailers, so I was looking for pictures of these Indians, Native American Indians, to put on my website living in trailers, which is how they all ended up, right? They landed here in a murderous rage. All the Indians got wiped out. This manifest destiny, which is what, where we're at right now, right? Manifest destiny again, going after all the minerals. So anyway, so I'm looking for these pictures of the Indians in the trailers that are existing right now on Yandex. Well, in between the pictures, <laughs> what I'm saying is you want to focus on what you're looking for and don't rule it out as a tool. But like, like for example, in between these pictures of Indians in trailers from Katrina, well, I was running across pictures of people doing lewd things in trailers. <laughs> that's how that's how Yandex is. <laughs> so, so their search engine is just kind of different. So what I'm saying is, if you have sensitive eyes and you're looking for something, I, I have my eyes pretty well trained, so just keep moving along, because it is a terrific source for things. Okay, <clears throat> so let me get to my point here. Because more people need to use Yandex, okay? <laughs> and so because I've been offhandedly talking about Marshall Plan, here's a quote, and here's where you can go look further, okay? The CIA also skimmed large amounts of Marshall Plan funds to covertly maintain cultural institutions, journalists, and publishers at home and abroad for the heated and omnipresent propaganda of the Cold War. The selling of the Manhattan Plan to the American public and elsewhere was entwined with fighting the Red Menace. Moreover, in its covert operation, CIA personnel at times used the Marshall Plan to cover as cover, and one of the plan's chief architects, Richard Bissell, B-I-S-S-E-L-L, then moved to the CIA. They started off as the OSS when they were cooking up this deal during the Cold War, but then they became the CIA. The, the, they started as OSS, and the Marshall Plan was what they used to fund the CIA. So Richard, Richard Bissell then moved to the CIA, stopping off briefly at the Ford Foundation, a longtime conduit for CIA covert funds, one big happy family. And I'll be reading from this article just briefly, because I can't read it all, is The Enduring Mystique of the Marshall Plan. So, because I find if you go over to Yandex and you type in things like, why, why was the Marshall Plan a lie, or something like that, you'll find there's some interesting people out there doing interesting work. Okay, so this article, The Enduring Mystique of the Marshall Plan, from March 2011. Amidst all these stirring political upheavals in North Africa and the Middle East, Middle East, the name Marshall Plan keeps being repeated by political figures and media around the world as the key to rebuilding the economics of those societies to complement the political advances, which hopefully will be somewhat progressive. But caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. And this is from this person's voice, not mine, okay? During my years of writing and speaking about the harm and injustice inflicted upon the world by unending United States interventions, 
I've often been met with resentment from those who accuse me of chronicling only the negative side of U.S. foreign policy and ignoring the many positive sides. When I ask the person to give me some examples of what he or she thinks about the virtuous face of America's dealings with the world in modern times, one of the things mentioned, almost without exception, is the Marshall Plan. This is usually described along the lines of, after World War II, the United States unselfishly built up Europe economically, including our wartime enemies, and allowed them to compete with us. Even though, even those today who are very cynical about U.S. foreign policy who are quick to question the White House motives in Afghanistan, Iraq, and elsewhere, have little problem in accepting this picture of an altruistic America in the period 1948 to 1952. So yeah, look further at the Marshall Plan is my point here, okay? <laughs> because there's allegations out there that the majority of the money that people perceived as going to help these companies, countries, got put back into the pockets of these people to cook up this evil CIA empire. If it makes sense, it makes sense, right? I don't have this. This doesn't stretch my imagination to think this was likely to, right? Okay, so now a couple of other things while I was over wandering around Yandex. So what I did on this file, because I knew I was going to be talking about this major crime, I thought, well, I'll tie up a few links here. <laughs> so there, um, well, there's horrible cases about things, okay? And I'm not going to be going into them. But because this happened with Israel, Israel is always left out of the equation here, okay? And because of all this racism involved with all the experiments that have been done with us, I have two groups of things over at my website. If you click on my timeline, you can see everything they've done against us, the storms, the tornadoes, all that. If you click on my link that says smart meters, you'll find things about the ways they've been experimenting us with radiation. If you click on the link about show notes, you'll find the experiments that I did the experiments that I listed there that they got caught doing, okay, because I'll be talking about some of those today. But here's another one that I hadn't included in any of these things, okay, and it was like, aha, because I was here again over on the Andic just cruising around, and I thought, huh, I never did get back to those things. And so, yeah, so here, here is a direct quote. They were talking about this other procedure, which was, I mean, so horrendous, not, not going to go there right now, okay. And it says, one cannot help but be repulsed by the cruelty of such procedures, especially their application to young children. But this was not an isolated case. Similar research occurred in 1951 on a much larger scale has been uncovered in the then fledgling state of Israel. Like the Lyles, well, this was the other thing, it's called Lyle Station Incident, and it was brutal, um, where all the affected children were black, racial overtones abounded since fair-skinned Ashkenazi Jews of European origin administered radiation to upward 
So what they're saying is the Ashkenazi Jews are the lighter-skinned Jews, okay? The Sephardic Jews are the darker-skinned Jews, and they claim that those Jews originated out of the Spain area, okay? So they claim that the Ashkenazi Jews are the white ones who are now running Israel. I, I think they're all Romans, but what I'm saying is this is what the plot line is here, okay? So, so. These children in this thing in 1951 in Israel on a large scale, all the affected children were black, racial overtones abound since fair-skinned Ashkenazi Jews of European origin administered radiation to upward of 100,000 Sephatic Jewish children who were refugees from Morocco. So evidently, this kind of, you know, it's not just the U.S. doing all this stuff, right? The U.S. is, I believe, the leader in all of this, right? But I'm trying to show you that everybody is in on the game, right? They're on the game board being psychopaths. Okay, so let's talk. Today we're talking about money. So I pulled up a one that you may have missed me talking about because I talked about it years ago. <laughs> So just a little refresher, because I've also said that I believe, now clearly, I'm not there, you're not there, I believe that, I mean really, with all these crimes going on, do you seriously want to take the position that they're not printing more money that people on the books don't know about? I mean, <laughs> where does all the money come from when they go and do Afghanistan and Go look at my timeline. I dug up some really good articles. There's other people who also agree with me as far as Afghanistan was nothing but an opium thing, right? Because they needed those opioids to, to supply the mass need for opioids for this country. The U.S. takes 90-some percent of the world's supply of opioids, okay? We are only 5% of the world population. This is a very unhappy country. If you just look at the suicide rate, people aren't killing themselves so much with guns. People are killing themselves with guns, male suicide. So yeah, this country, if you just took a look from, from a profile, they show you pictures. This has all been generated by the movie. So yeah, so anyway, so this is an interesting thing about the money, okay? So, because remember, right before um, I talked about this, when I did that show about 9-11, I think it was two days before 9-11, Cheney, who was the guy in charge of all the evil at that time under Bush, um, Cheney claimed that the um, they were off in their budget by several trillion dollars, okay? And then 9-11 hit, well, the money never came up again, right? So... I mean, I have a lot of reasons to suspect that somebody's possibly <laughs> cooking the books, wouldn't you say? A Michigan State University economics professor discovered $21 trillion, with a T, unaccounted for in the federal budget starting in 1998 until the end of fiscal year 2015. Professor Mark Skidmore enlisted the help of his graduate students to examine government documents from the Department of Defense and Housing and Urban Development to uncover an unfathomable amount of unauthorized spending. According to the Constitution, all federal spending must be voted on and authorized by Congress, fiscal each, by Congress each fiscal year. 
Any discrepancies found in the way of unauthorized spending would normally elicit a congressional hearing and investigation. Skidmore and his students' analysis used publicly available government documents from the two agencies' websites to expose this inconsistency. Shortly after Skidmore published his findings, both agencies removed those documents from public access. With no congressional committee tied to the budget had signaled, excuse me, while no congressional committee tied to the budget had signaled the would, had, had signaled, oh, had signaled they would open an inquiry prior to Skidmore's findings, the Department of Defense allowed a first-ever department-wide audit by independent firm Ernst & Young. Skidmore also said that sometimes there can be discrepancies meant to account for inadequate transactions, but those adjustments are usually no more than 1% of the total budget. So Skidmore is saying that you can have 1% discrepancies is what typically these people might find, right? The Army's annual budget for fiscal year 2015 was one. One hundred and twenty-two billion, meaning that an adjustment for inadequate transactions might be around one point two billion. So, based on their whole budget and this idea that yeah, okay, one percent is usually the number that these economists have figured can be off, right? So they found one percent being one point two billion. The Army's actual adjustments for fiscal year twenty fifteen were 6.5 trillion, 54 times what it was authorized to spend. And I'm just going to skip along some paragraphs here, okay? <laughs> There's a lot more to this story. <laughs> just remember the name Skidmore, the Army, and Crooks. Okay, that amount of unauthorized missing money is equivalent to about 65,000 for every person in America. The government estimated that the federal deficit sits at around $20 trillion. Well, now it's about $30 trillion, is it now? So an entire $1 trillion less than what Skidmore found. Okay, so yeah, that's not important. The, 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 but haven't they they've printed of the U.S. dollar in the last few years, they have increased printing that people know of, of the U.S. dollar by something like 50%. But just go look for your, I'm not an economist, okay, but... They've had all this extra printing, which, I don't know, my brain would tell me this. Usually when a country starts overprinting the money, oh, I don't know, kind of like what happened in Weimar. <laughs> the Weimar Republic, where these psychopaths last burned through. <laughs> they, were, they were on the game board, and they were the ones in Weimar, is my belief, okay? So what happened before Weimar crashed, before all this business with World War One and Germany and all this stuff, right? Well, and you know, the interesting thing about Weimar is this, Germany went on to become the world's biggest economy, okay? So they're buddies, and their buddies from Germany came over here with their Frankfurt School, so we have a long, don't leave Germany out of your picture, okay? So, um, anyhow, so, um, so what I've been wondering about, because they increased the amount of dollars in circulation by some crazy amount, like 50%, just in the last couple, three years with all this stimulus spending. 
Um, the American dollar, they've been um, falsely pumping it up to the point. See, this is where it's all going to play into it, right? So anyway, so, <laughs> okay. Um, so then I'm going to continue reading this, okay? So what exactly is this money going towards? The revelation of a $56 billion Pentagon black budget for secret military space and surveillance programs has led to some speculation that it could be merely a fraction of what's actually being spent. And I have to argue, I don't think we have any clue of how many of these things are printed in circulation, so I'll leave that alone, okay? Skidmore said he reached out to the Office of Inspector General, the Government Accountability Office, and Congressional Budget Office, asking if maybe the 6.5 trillion figure was a mistake and was, supposed to, and was instead supposed to be 6.5 billion. It was confirmed that 6.5 trillion was the correct adjustment. Um, he asked if any of these agencies were alarmed or considering this as a red flag. His questions were met with slight confusion and little concern. Though Skidmore has reserved his speculation as to what he thinks the money might be going toward, it's, well, I'll take over from there. <laughs> Skidmore can just leave it up to me. I'll tell you where the money's going. <laughs> it's clear that either someone knows that a large amount of taxpayer dollars is being spent without authorized permission, or the accounting practices of those in charge of massive amounts of public money are that flawed. So, <laughs> moving right along with more good news here. Um, let me see here. So, I kind of have talked in the past kind of offhandedly as far as the fact <laughs> that the Department of Defense has not presented an actual budget in years, nor are they being asked to account for any of their money, okay? So, I found an article which will save me from having to recount things. <laughs> This was first published in May of 2018, and it is part, part of our series on the unaccounted for $21 trillion in taxpayer money. As unbelievable and absurd as that sounds, the actual total of unaccounted for money at the Pentagon is most likely significantly more than $21 trillion. The first ever full-scope audit of the Pentagon is presently underway. And that's, that's, well, that's what they're saying, right? According to the Department of Defense Inspector General and Defense Finance and Accounting Service, $21 trillion in taxpayer funding is unaccounted for. To ha well, anyway, so it went on to say, it gets worse overall. Audit trails are not kept in sufficient detail, which means no one can track the money. DOD's internal controls intended to track the money are inoperative, thus DOD cost reports with financial statements are inaccurate and the size, even the direction of the errors, cannot be identified. DOD does not observe many of the laws that govern any of this. Congress and the Pentagon annually report and hold hearings on DOD's lack of financial accountability 
and sometimes enact new laws, but many of the new laws simply permit the Pentagon to ignore the previous ones. Others are eyewash. If you have a system that does not accurately know what is spending what its spending history is and does not know what it is now and does not care to redress the matter, how can you expect it to make a competent, honest estimate of future costs? It is self-evident that an operation that tolerates inaccurate, unverifiable data cannot be soundly managed. It exempts itself from any reasonable standard of efficiency. And yet, there is no sense of urgency in the Pentagon to do anything about it. What do I always say, kids? Evil has to come package as help, and this is the plan, not the bug in the system. Why should they be accountable? I mean, nobody's raising up and yelling, hey, why are you spending trillions of dollars? Indeed, in the 1990s, we were promised that accountability problem would be solved by 1997. In the 2000s, we were promised it would be solved by 2007, and then by 2016, then by 2017. The question must be asked, if nothing has been done by the Pentagon to end the accountability problem after more than 20 years of promises, is top management simply incompetent, or is this the intended result of obfuscation to avert accountability? Yes, well, I would have to add here, this is because the money's flushing around between Washington and City of London, right? So keeping track of all this stuff and a bunch of psychopaths in charge has got to be, I have to hand it to them. I have to weigh in on their side. They're, they're doing this because keeping track of things really isn't their thing, right? <laughs> and because they can, because the U.S. is a corporation and it's bankrupt, so none of those... <laughs> matters right and no one has held them accountable so they've been able to roll along okay a weapon spending a, a spending system that effectively audits its weapon programs and offices would also be one that systematically uncovers incompetent and crooked managers false promises and those who made them okay uh, they said this, William Hartung, director of the Arms and Security Project at the Center for International Policy, summed up the accountability crisis at the Pentagon by saying, call it irony or call it symptomatic of the department's way of life, but an analysis by the Project on Government Oversight notes that Pentagon has so far roughly spent $6 billion on fixing the audit pro problem with no solution in sight. If anything, the Defense Department's accounting practices have been getting worse. Well, sure, because um, we're in the final stages on the game board, right? They're flushing out that money towards the eugenics. So, okay, now moving along to another very positive subject, something I missed about this Fort Detrick place. Because um, remember, just think back a little bit here for you. Um, right before COVID was announced, it was announced in 2020, okay? In 2019, around March or April, what you're looking for, there was a uh, World Military Fair March in China. And it was a fantastic event. All these people were all there at this big march in China, right before they announced 
COVID within about two months, right? They're all marching, they're singing, and blah, blah, blah. Well, every country was there. This production had to have been years in the making, right? And this is, to me, when they did that military thing in China in early 29, you're, you're looking for military, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it and try to give you the exact name later. But what you're looking for, so right in November, October of 2019, and I'll pause the show here now that I've had some new skills and give you the exact thing, because it's interesting how it works. So what happened was, was that late 2019, they have this huge event in China. Every country is there. I, I think that that was the announcement of this new world order, okay? So, they have this big deal going on. Well, also the U.S. was there, right? We'll roll forward a couple of months and they announced COVID. Well, then there's been all this business as far as where the COVID thing come from, right? Well, and they're talk about Wuhan, China. Now, everybody's so actively on Wuhan, China being the culprit in this thing, right? I've been saying all along that I would put my bet against it came from the U.S. at Fort Detrick, which is in Maryland. And um, I'll exp and then while I was thinking about that, recently I ran into some things about Fort Detrick that I'd like to talk to you about. So anyway, so I'll eventually get to my point today about these minerals. But <laughs> but, okay, so... Um, because there were some people who ended up at Fort Detrick that I have missed from the past that are critical for me to add to this timeline of horrors against us, okay, when I was looking around Fort Detrick again. And I also found some information about Fort Detrick and the cancer rates there that, you know, as somebody, you know, solidarity to people working and living around Fort Detrick, I'd like to share some information with you, okay? So, okay because I was overlooking around at <clears throat> some very dangerous people after the war. Uh, after World War II, everybody knows about, you know, the scientists and stuff that they sent over here, and I've talked about that, talked about that, talked about that, right? So everybody knows about all that stuff, and I knew about that, all that stuff. But there was a particular group of them that ended up at Fort Detrick that I didn't know about that I want to talk about today and while I was over there looking, I found a lot of information about cancer and all these military bases are toxic, okay? So anyway, so I'd like to share with what I found at Fort Detrick. Because I, if, I've, if I've used the word Fort Detrick once, I, I probably have said it a million times because after the, the Wuhan thing, there was a time around, oh, in the last couple of years, okay? Everybody has been focused on Wuhan and the bats. Well, the bats are, they've been cross-infecting us with animals all along, right? This one just happened to be connected to bats for some reason, right? So, um, at one point, after everybody yelling that it's Wuhan, um, China actually kicked back. And what China kicked back and said was they said, hey, get off our backs, it's not us, it's Fort Detrick. So that exchange took place about a year into all this stuff, right? Well, I still believe it's Fort Detrick. So for what it's worth, if you're listening to all this propaganda going on now and you're thinking, yeah, China did it, they're building up this anti-China thing, right? 
they they need to um, build up this anti-China thing, right? Probably because of all these minerals, because they're building up the China hatred, right? So, okay, so I ran across this stuff, and it's important for there's a lot of people that live in that area, okay. This area of high cancer rates is adjacent adjacent to a U.S. military base called Fort Detrick. From 1943 to 1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1969-1
And they got like 4.7 million Chinese people to sign this petition saying, let's look at Fort Detrick, okay? And also, who? World Health Organization. Who are you going to call? They, um, they have not wanted to search at Fort Detrick. So that's where we leave Fort Detrick, okay? Uh, because here's why, here's why I wandered into Fort Detrick, okay? Now, I've talked before about this, but I'll recap it so everybody's on the same page. In 1954, a prison doctor in Kentucky isolated seven black inmates and fed them double, triple, and quadruple dose of LSD for 77 days straight. No one knows what became of the victims. They may have died without knowing they were part of the CIA's highly secretive program to develop ways to control minds, a program based out of a little-known army base with a dark past, Fort Detrick. Suburban sprawl has engulfed Fort Detrick, an army base 50 miles from Washington in the Maryland town of Frederick. And another little odd bit of trivia, because I love odd bits of trivia, Remember, CIA is over there in Virginia, right? Fort Detrick is over there in um, Maryland. Washington is in the middle, right? Washington, head of the war machine, right? We got Vatican, Washington, City of London, right? Well, now I don't know if this is just some crazy conspiracy, but it makes sense, okay? Because these people are into coding anything, so everything. So. What is next to Washington, D.C.? Well, we have Maryland and we have Virginia, right? So I've already been talking enough about who's in Virginia, who's in Maryland, right? Well, Mary is the first part of Maryland, right? Mary, M-A-R-Y. And Virgin, Virginia, right? <laughs> so Washington is between two states where all these other evil things are also taking place. But there's this weird word thing going on, right? They're in Maryland, or Mary, and Virginia, or Virgin. Mary Virgin, right? Anyway, <laughs> so I've shared with you my odd quest for little details. I find it fascinating. There is something there to all these words and all this stuff, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so... Let me start back where I left. Suburban sprawl has engulfed Fort Detrick, an army base 50 miles from Washington in the Maryland, Mary, land town of Frederick. 76 years ago, however, when the army selected Detrick as the place to develop its super secret plans to wage germ warfare, the area around the base looked much different. In fact, it was chosen for its isolation. That's because Dietrich, still thriving today as the Army's principal base for biological research and now encompassing nearly six, 600 buildings on 13,000 acres, was for years the nerve center of the CIA's hidden chemical and mind control empire. And th now this is a part I'm getting to that I didn't know before. Or if I knew, maybe, I, I, I really don't think that I knew it, okay? <laughs> Dietrich is today, that's D-E-T-R-I-C-K. 
one of the world's leading cutting-edge laboratories for research and toxins and antitoxins. Because here's what I think. Because they control the money likely out of this place, right? Well, what happened in Wuhan, sure, they were over their funding and stuff because they fund stuff all around the world. So instead of focusing on Wuhan, fire up those computers, kids. Start looking at other places. Are they funding that same stuff in your area? See what I'm saying? What they do in all this propaganda is they focus people into one area. So if you're only looking at Wuhan, you may not understand what's going on in your own area, right? <laughs> you have, may have a Wuhan right next door. But if you spend years and years and years pointing figures at Wuhan, you're going to miss a lot. Just my suggestion. I'm hoping that I'm sharing my work so people will looky-looky a little further, okay? So anyway, so, um, yeah, I'm getting to the point, where was I? Um, oh, yeah, here's what happened, because um, Dietrich, um, one of the world's cutting-edge laboratories for research in toxins and antitoxins, the place where defenses are developed against every plague from crop fungus to Ebola. Its leading role in the field is widely recognized. For decades, though, much of what went on at the base was a closely held secret. That's why everything is held up on military bases, okay? That, that's the key to this whole thing, right? Create a lot of fear, make a lot of secrets, make it all confidential, and get everybody moving in the direction you want to push them in, right? Director, so anyway, so at Dietrich, was where the MK7 program started. And I've done shows about MKs. That was my generation. I was there. I mean, they were handing out LSD at concerts. <laughs> I wasn't stupid enough to take the free LSD, but yes, full disclosure, we brought our own LSD. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I saw these people. They were there handing out LSD. And I did a, I did a show about it. Just look for, it's still up over on YouTube because it was a show that didn't end up on audio because of the graphics. But anyway, so... Um, Anyway, so that was where the CIA mind control program, MK7. And what you'll find is a lot of people on social media act like MK7 is going, no, it was a specific, a very specific operation, okay? And it used Dietrich as a key base. And what they did was they destroyed most of their records in 1973. Some of its secrets have been revealed in declassified documents, though interviews and as a result of congressional investigations. So yeah, um, so yeah, Dietrich, <laughs> that's where you're looking. When they start screaming too much of something in one direction, ask yourself why they keep bringing up Wuhan. Their little team of people like Matt Tahibi, the people who supposedly exposed the Twitter files are now exposing the Wuhan deal. They found some leaks. <laughs> why so much talk about Wuhan? That would be my question. So anyway, so, um, okay. Um, the Biden administration is making clear once again whom it fears the most. It's not China, Russia, or needless to say Republicans. The number one enemy is America's mothers and fathers. They stand, they stand, they stand athwart the administration's mad dash to remake America, yelling, stop. I did a couple of shows. I should look for them. Um, when this first got going, early 2020, 
I did a couple shows. I literally screamed into the microphone, get the kids out of school. Did it work? Well, I don't know. Um, so anyway, so uh, because early on what they did was um, they, it, this really is true, in his first year in office, the Biden administration requested that the National School, Bo School Boards Association ask the Justice Department to treat parents who stood in the way of its agenda as domestic terrorists. See, here's the thing. And what happened? Well, I guess everybody just sat down and forgot about it, right? Or in my dreams, lots of kids got pulled out of school, but not going to go there now. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that um, also when I was wandering around the Jew issue that I talked about earlier, and the thing that took place with um, in Israel, okay? Here was another thing that I found that got me leading in that direction, okay? So what happened was, was that um, the Ashkenazis served as proxies for Robert Oppenheimer, his Manhattan Project, and the U.S. government who underwrote the program because they were eager to utilize a convenient pool of guinea pigs for further testing in the wake of their successful bombings at the close of World War II. Sephatic Jews differ visually from their Ashkenazi brethren by virtue of their darker olive skin tone. Well, since I know how to pause, let me see if he's going to keep going here. It's actually kind of good to hear him barking at people because we're pretty sick around here. So um, yesterday he did some things that he used to do that <laughs> might have annoyed me. <laughs> I found them hysterical because he hasn't done them in so long. He used to go into my bedroom and like just go like mad to pull back the covers and stuff. So I go back and I go, I thought I made my bed and it's all messed up. Well, he did that again the other day and I was, I was laughing because it was so good to see him <laughs> doing something funny that he used to do. Okay, so... So evidently, they're saying that the Ashkenazis, which would be the people in Israel, worked with Oppenheimer and um, did these experiments. Um, and um, still more episodes of radiation bombardment were conducted throughout the 1960s. University of Cincinnati, yeah, okay, I've, I've, done, I've done enough about um, that. I need to keep moving on this one. Okay, so, okay. I'm going to give myself a second here. Um, oh, no, this is still the news. Um, this is how, and I want you to be thinking about these things, not in fear, but just pragmatically, right? The general overall attitude that these psychopaths have displayed toward all of us outside of their caste system, right, has been to effectively turn other cast members against each other, which is, you know, splitting us up into all this kind of stuff. But their total utter lack of concern for any, um, any type of needs that people may have to even produce these um, intensely labor-intensive acts, okay? Um, and, you know, if you look at the railroads, I've already gone there enough, but... Um, you know, the workers, and now the crazy part is, not crazy, but, you know, people are actually saying that Joe Biden is the most labor-friendly 
president this country has ever had. Well, <laughs> he broke up the railroad unions, unions and forced them to keep driving trains through the country in dangerous conditions. We're not going to go there now. But here's another interesting thing. Just to show you the level of pettiness that they will go to and the risk of lives, because I believe these people know the game's getting ready to be done, okay? We're on the game board. <laughs> Things are going to go in any direction, okay? Amid a dangerous heat wave that has brought blistering temperatures across Texas, the state's governor, governor signed a law this week eliminating local rules requiring water breaks for workers. The measure, which will take effect later this year, will nullify ordinances enacted by Austin and Dallas that mandate 10-minute breaks for construction workers every four hours. It also prevents any other local governments from passing similar worker protections. Six out of every 10 construction workers in Texas are Latino and labor advocates say that the law will hurt Latino and black communities that are already disproportionately affected by extreme heat. Hispanic workers make up a third of all worker heat deaths since 2010. Okay. Um, this is what they're doing now, which is just, I mean, this, this is almost like, almost hard to say to you without breaking out howling, okay? They've been trying to do this plan for expanding their green energy thing, okay? And I'm just going to briefly tell you about it because it's, it's well, it, it borders on the sign of almost insanity, okay? <laughs> Okay. As part of an assessment published in early March, the Department of Energy stated that much new energy transmission will be required, assuming moderate load and massive expansion of green energy in line with the future power section enabled by all currently enacted laws. So what they're doing is, um, what will be required, they will, they will be required to account for demand growth caused by plans by the Biden administration. So what they're going to be doing is they're getting rid of all these gas stoves and all this stuff, right? And what, what, what they think is going to happen is some big transmitted power line, okay? And so the challenge is faced by developers of a single new transmission line De designed to move electricity generated by Wyoming wind projects 732 miles west to demand markets in California help illustrate just how ridiculous this 47,000 mile ambition really is. The Trans West Transmission Project made a major priority by the Biden administration finally kicked off construction this past week, but only after a struggle to obtain rights-of-way funding and the necessary local, state, and federal permits. And this has been going on for 18 years, okay? The reason I'm bringing this up in context when I finally get to my main point here <laughs> as far as them stealing minerals, this pipe, this transmission project, Trans 
Trans-West Transmission Project, going on for 18 years, okay? What's going to happen is this, I think, okay? This is going to cross a lot of people's property, okay? So, check it out. So, it went on to say, that number is not a typo, the 18 years. And get this, it is going to take an additional four years until 2027 to build just the first phase of this multi-phase system and place it into service. Well, look for any poor communities, and this is where this thing is going to be built. According to Biden's Secretary of the Interior, the kickoff of construction of the Trans-West Project represents a momentous milestone in the administration's plan to redo the nation's entire energy sector. Left unsaid by Ms. Highland was exactly how she and her fellow Biden officials planned to get the remaining 46,000 new miles of high-capacity transmission permitted over the next few years after the time needed to get this 732-mile project ready to go into its construction phase spanned across four different presidential administrations. In a report this week, somebody noted that TransWest developers began the process of obtaining the federal permits for the project no less than 16 years ago, early into the second term of George W. Bush presidency. So it said the project faced pushback from some environmental groups over potential impacts on natural resources and from communities and private landowners who did not want power lines crossing their property or impacting their views. Well, of course it did, and other in every other project designed to fill in the rest of the 47,000 mile goal will face these same pressures. Well, um, but they have, they want to put massive 100 foot tall towers that will condemn millions of acres of land and become a permanent blot on view all over the nation. So, um, yeah, so, um, so they've been, they, what they're doing now is they're reforming federal building permits, okay? So that would be, if I were somebody living in one of these areas, I don't think I would want this stuff running through my property. They're just really trying to electrify us, okay? Um, uh, we're all being led into this because now they will be able to enact this big power line <laughs> running across the country. Um, because they will be able to call an emergency. Remember, we're in an emergency. This whole creative environment thing becomes an emergency. So keep your eyes on this project. This is going to be key here, okay? Um, and it concluded with, um, moreover, anyone who thinks the U.S. is going to build out 47,000 miles of new high-capacity transmission lines in 12 years is a person who lives in a fantasy world. Yeah, I don't believe they're going to build this to complete it, right? <laughs> I think, I think, no, I'm not there, you're not there, here's what I think. Well, a big line like this would 
give them access to a lot of taxpayer funds, right? It would also give them access to a whole heck of a lot of people's property. And when I get more into this mineral thing down here, finally you will see what I mean. And here's another little tidbit in the news before I finally get to my point. I th I'm pretty close to getting there. Um, just this week, BlackRock and J.P. Morgan helped set up Ukraine Construction Bank Fund aims to attract billions of dollars in private investment to assist rebuilding projects in a war-torn country. With the enticement of expected high dollar dividends and federal production tax credits. Oh, wait a minute, that was another story. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, so BlackRock and JP Morgan are um, raising money to um, fix a place that they're just now blowing up. So, okay, um, here's a good one. Here's a good one. I've been talking about my view that, um, um, okay, wait a second. Oh, I've been talking about wind turbines are fake, right? Where do wind turbines go? I think I have more on it here, but in case I forget, let me tell you this. Um, the biggest wind turbine maker, Siemens, um, <laughs> announced well, they're, they're getting dumped in their shares because um, they're having problems with wind turbines producing. I rest my case, okay. Now, they're, they're, all this money they're getting, right? And this, this, I'm, this I'm telling you today because I want to show you the careless behavior that goes on with all these new projects, okay? Because I'm right now in the process of, when I go, I don't want to go and leave all these transformers around my house because it's my belief that these people are so careless that they will not just go, oh, well, let's go remove those transformers, right? So I am now very actively and concerned about, I don't want the next people that move into this house to become uh, poisoned. So radiation poisoning is no fun, kids. So anyway, so what they've done now, and I've rampaged about this in the past, all these oil wells and the oil stuff and how they use oil wells to uh, abuse the poor people. Oh, here's a big opportunity. We're going over to an oil rig. Come over here and live and we'll pay you $20 an hour. And people think, wow, great. They move to this horrible place to work on this oil rig. And what happens to that? Well, they get there, the rents are very expensive. So that $20 an hour actually becomes less than if they worked at the local McDonald's, okay? This is all just a pump and dump scam. ACB is going to be quiet. So anyway, so across the country, fossil fuel companies have walked away from thousands of oil and gas wells, leaving them unplugged and idle. Oh, I guess he's stopping. Okay. Across the company, fossil fuel companies have walked away from thousands of oil and gas wells, leaving them unplugged and idle as many of these drill sites leak greenhouse gas emissions and pose direct threats to human health. But until recently, states had little incentive to identify these wells and few resources to plug them. Because I've ranted and raved before about, look at all these abandoned wells. <laughs> 
So, funny how it's not working out, right? So now that they're pushing this green deal, they can push getting rid of these wells, which they themselves left behind, right? And who left these wells behind? Businesses, right? So these wells are now going to get cleaned up. Let me see. I can pick up my rant in a minute here. interrupting this program for an emergency announcement. This is an emergency broadcast from the BBC on behalf of His Majesty's government. Information of a possible nuclear strike against this country has been received. The current threat level is critical, meaning an attack is imminent. Please stand by for further information. Well, <laughs> I wonder if we're going to get a nuclear strike warning before they blow up those nuclear plants. Okay, so moving along here. Um, okay, let me get back to my file. Okay, where was I last left off? Oh, the oil oil wells leaking all over the place. Okay. Now there's money. With money on the table, states identify 120,000 leak-prone oil wells. So leave it to the taxpayers to pay off. As a result, states have now reported more than a hundred. This is, and keep things, always read these things carefully, right? Because they don't have any records to speak of, of all the oil wells all around this country, right? And they certainly don't have any records of all the abandoned oil wells all over this country. This is a, this is a subject that, <laughs> well, Hopefully somebody will explore it further, okay? So anyway, so they put out some money, right? So now it's kind of like a self-reporting system, right? So now states have identified 120,000, but that does not mean that's how many there are out there, right? So they've identified 100, making a nearly 50% increase from the 81,000 wells that, that were reported last year, according to some analysis. Even this figure may mask the true extent of the problem, but by some estimates, the number of undocumented abandoned wells in the United States, those that have yet to be discovered, could be as high as a million. Yeah, I would go on and on about the chemicals and all that stuff from all these things and hazards to the local communities, the, how it destroys the water in the local communities, but I'll just leave it there. Okay, so, you know, this is like any good con, right? What they do is they set up these scenarios so that it appears like everybody's going to win, right? Well, then they pull the rug out after they win, right? They make it appear like a couple of people have won, but those couple of people are usually their people, right? So... Okay, um, 
Because these orphan wells, they emit methane and all this other kind of stuff. So they're giving um, $1.15 billion in federal grants to fund the closure and cleanup of abandoned wells. The department noted that the grants would be based on three criteria. The number of documented orphan wells in each state, the estimated cost of cleaning up wells in each state, and the job losses in each state from March the 2022, 20, I don't know why they're having that, but anyway, all I'm saying is that um, the department is, t is taking a thoughtful and methodical approach to implementing the orphan oil and gas well program. Here's what I think it's going to be. Remember I've been talking about they're using this uh, PFAS stuff. EPA just announced that PFAS in the water are dangerous. Well, yeah, people have known that for a long time, right? But I was curious, why did they just announce that? Well, they just announced that because they're moving in on farm property. Because you got you, if you have that on your property, no matter if you got it from one of them or not, they're going to grab your property, right? <clears throat> so this is how I see this thing happening, is that when they start identifying these wells, well, what's going to happen to if one of those wells they identify is on your property? Are they going to graciously pay for it as part of this thing? Or is the APA going to come in and claim that you're a toxic person and they've got to see, you know, see what I'm saying? Because they could easily say, well, this comes outside of the, the conflict of this bill that we just passed and blah, 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 blah. So what we're going to do is we're going to force you to clean up on your property. This, this to me, to me, this looks like a potentially huge, huge land grab of its own. If these minerals don't get people's property, I predict this orphan well thing is going to be the demise of many a nice people who own property and end up with this because I'll explain that more when I get to this mining business because about property rights because Somebody before you that owned that property may have made some deals that you don't know about, okay? So there's a lot of reasons why I'm including some of these other tricks because I think this is going to be a monstrous one. That will give them access to go look around your property, okay? Just saying, just saying. So I would have my head on a swivel over that deal also, okay? And here's some fun for the story. Siemens Energy, their shares plunged 31% on Friday. That was today where, uh, I don't know, yes, just in the last day or so, okay. <clears throat> they plunged on Friday after the company scrapped its profit forecast and warned that costly problems at its wind turbine unit could last years. <laughs> Did I? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <clears throat> they've been getting all this stuff with taxpayer money, okay? They've been getting all these grants to build these wind turbines and stuff that I have clearly been stating they do not work. They were not meant to work. <clears throat> so <clears throat> now it's getting too expensive for the company. The company announced late on Thursday after a review of issues at subsid subsidiary Siemens Gamesa had found a substantial increase in failure rates of wind turbine components. <laughs> I could have hopped up and get a dance if I could. The Siemens board has initiated 
an extended technical review that will incur significantly higher costs than previously assumed estimated to be in excess of like 1.9 billion. The company born from the spin-off of the former gas and power division of German conglomerate Siemens announced late see this is how Germany they're all together. They announced late on Thursday that a review of issues at subsidiary Siemens Gamesa had found a substantial increase in failure rates of wind turbine components. The Siemens Gamesa board has initiated the technical review. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> well, the first one is admitting that the wind turbines are not exactly functioning. Um, Okay, so let's get to the heart of this. This is where I got started, okay? Because I was looking into all the different things about, oh, well, how this gets started. and A lot of it got started under Bush. And what happened is under Bush in 2005, they did all these energy bills, okay? And so in this energy bill, they had discovered how to do all this fracking stuff, okay, and looking for shale. They only really discovered this stuff in the last few years, since 2005, 2008. So what happened was, was that they'd gotten on this big drilling thing, right? So I was quite confused because I, these people were, I saw some videos about people saying, they're drilling on my land, I can't stop them. And I'm thinking, well, what's that all about, right? <clears throat> so anyhow, Long story short, that's how I ended up here with this whole mineral thing. So here's what happened. So I started thinking, uh, why are these people talking about, they were saying things like, well, all of a sudden one day they, these, these, these big rigs showed up on their property. You know, they owned a big piece of property in Colorado. All of a sudden these big rigs showed up on their property, started drilling, they couldn't stop them. And then I was all confused about well, what's this drilling about? <laughs> so anyway, so here's what happened. There's certain states that have the mineral rights, okay? And they're above land mineral rights and below land rights, okay? A lot of times when you buy a piece of property, if you're in a certain state, you may only be buying or owning the rights to the land on top, not the land below you that has the mineral rights. And this is the most key thing to set into your brain right now that you'll ever put there, okay? So, <clears throat> topsoil, you got it covered. It's yours. Put your house there, right? The stuff below it, all bets are off in some states, okay? And what a way to nationalize this based on needing more energy, right? Well, the odd thing is the United States already has plenty of oil, but all I'm saying is this is this is a scam because this is how I think it works because these people don't have to own any property of their own, right? They just have to identify what property has these minerals that they can take over, right? So that saves a whole lot of money because they don't have to go out and buy your property to get to those minerals. Because my thought kept being, well, why is this happening? Well, think about it this way. 
all they have to do is do all these studies, which they're doing now with this new U.S. mineral thing, right? All they have to do is identify minerals under your property. They don't have to pay you for your property. They have access to those minerals because you do not own the mineral rights under your own house, okay? Because I was looking first at Colorado. I'm in Nebraska, right? Right next to Colorado. So I got confused by why are these people in Colorado having these big rigs show up on their property? Well, and this is the explanation. Colorado in land mineral rights for minerals under land for more resources. And it went on to say Colorado is one of the few states that has a split or severed estate where ownership to the minerals vests in one person and ownership to the surface of the land vests in another. The mineral rights are considered the dominant estate and the surface owner may not prevent the mineral rights holder from entering up and using that amount of the surface that is reasonable and necessary to explore for, develop, and produce the min minerals. So it means that the surface owner may not prevent the mineral rights holder from entering up and using that amount of the surface that is reasonable and necessary. So what they mean is they can put, if they decide that it's reasonable to put a rig on your property that's 10 miles, well, that's, that's how it works, right? It's reasonable to these people, right? And it went on to say critical minerals, and I was doing this part on that chat GPT thing, okay? Critical minerals, because I'm trying to figure out, because ChatGPT for some of these things is good because it's scanning the local news and stuff, and that's their selling point, right? Why do they need these min minerals are so hot to get? Critical minerals are essential for society and are used in various sectors of the economy. Some common uses for critical, there's two, there's a few categories of minerals. There's critical memory, there's critical memory, minerals and there's other minerals. What we're looking at is what they've classified as critical minerals, okay? Critical minerals, and this is this is what you want to keep your head on a swivel over this, the critical minerals are the ones that they're going to be robbing and polluting and stealing probably the quickest, right? That includes aluminum used in almost all sectors of the economy, antimony, a-N-T-I-M-O-N-Y used in lead acid batteries and flame retardants. Arsenic used in semiconductors. Barite used in hydrocarbon production. Beryllium used as an alloying agent in aerospace and defense industries. Bismuth used in medical and atomic research. Cerium used in catalytic converters. Ceramics, glass, meteorology and polishing compounds. Many critical elements are also used in low emission technologies such as electric vehicles, wind turbines, solar panels, and rechargeable batteries. So here's a selling point. What they're saying is, well, we need all of these 
elements for what we need to protect you. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So then I was asking ChatGPT some more questions. Went on to say, critical minerals are mineral resources that are essential to the economy and whose supply may be disrupted. The critic criticality of a mineral changes with time as supply and society needs shift. A critical mineral is defined as one that has important uses and no viable substitutes, yet faces, yet faces potential disruption in supply. Non-critical minerals, on the other hand, are those that do not meet these criteria and are not considered essential to the economy or national security, or do not have a vulnerable supply chain. So now we know what the game plan is, right? They're looking for critical <laughs> that they can extract using any reasonable <laughs> methods, right? Seems pretty, seems pretty dangerous to me, but hey, what do I know, right? And then I was looking at how they're, how they're figuring this stuff out, right? And here was a response. Investment in critical minerals research and mapping can help the environment by improving our understanding of the geological framework in the United States and identifying areas that may have the potential to contain undiscovered critical mineral resources. This can help to ensure that mineral extraction is done in an environmentally responsible manner, minimizing the impact on the environment. Additionally, many critical minerals are used in low emission technologies, such as electric vehicles, wind turbines, solar panels, and rechargeables. So what I'm saying here is sometimes ChatGPT is excellent because what is the drawing up is their most latest selling point. So obviously the future selling point is gonna be, we gotta have these minerals, right? Okay, so, um, so yeah, the push is on to rob and rape the world is how I see it, but hey, maybe I'm just looking a little too pessimistically here. <laughs> and then I was looking at some of these, what the party line is on some of these environmental things. Um, I have another thing that's going on, which is kind of funny, the, um, which I'm happy to see is, um, I have the two cats and they're not feeling well, but <laughs> just yesterday, they obviously, the last two days, it's been like a miracle because they, their moods have been good. She actually um, started chasing Marcos around the house, but anyway, so you gotta take the wins where you can, right? One foot in front of the neck. Okay, so anyway, so I was looking at, the companies, right? <laughs> because these are things, like I said, ChatGPT, excellent for it, okay? There are many companies that are making environmental sustainability a part of their core mission. Some examples of environmentally friendly companies include Next Era Energy, General Motors, <laughs> Ford Motor. <laughs> These companies are working toward reducing their negative impact on the environment and investing in sustainable practices. So of course I asked ChatGPT what BlackRock 
you know, Black BlackRock, as you remember, <clears throat> I have a section about BlackRock or my website because I consider BlackRock so deadly <laughs> that I gave them an entire section on my website. Um, BlackRock is speaking out of both sides of his mouth, trying to control us with all this ESG stuff. And on the other hand, they're over there polluting the rainforest and all this other stuff and putting children in sweat houses. BlackRock recently got caught with children in slaughterhouses here in the state of Nebraska. So I wanted to know what the official position on BlackRock was. <laughs> <laughs> BlackRock is, in help, is helping the environment by increasing the demand for child labor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> BlackRock is helping the environment by pursuing an environmental sustainability strategy that is focused on reducing GHG emissions and increasing the efficiency and resilience of its operations by utilizing low carbon energy solutions such as renewable electricity to power its operations and using sustainable sustainable aviation fuel SAF where possible the firm is working to achieve the following 2030 science there the firm is working to achieve there's this 2030 science aligned emissions reduction goals okay relative to a 2019 baseline so blackrock is doing only good things okay blackrock is also committed to supporting the goal of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 or sooner so in addition to reducing its own ghg emissions and increasing the efficiency and resiliency of its operations BlackRock is also helping the environment by integrating ESG considerations into its investment processes and advocating for sound corporate governance and sustainable business practices that result in long-term value creation for its clients. BlackRock is also a leader in risk management <laughs> and is committed to providing meaningful sustainability information to stakeholders, believing that effective disclosure can lead to real change in how companies are managed for the benefit of all stakeholders. So yeah, um, it's interesting that um, here's what's going on, and here, here's, here's my main point that I need you to focus on, okay? All of these things that they're doing now whether they have the rights to do them and all that kind of stuff, consume an entirely huge amount, amount of water. And my big, big concern is that lots of talk about what they're doing in Africa, okay? And they're moving this thing into countries that already have severe water issues to begin with, okay? So this is going to have, because lot of these countries do not have protected land rights under your property okay you do not own those mineral rights so this is where it's going to get tricky because not only them moving on to your property with this big equipment is the um, huge amount of equipment they bring along they totally destroy the water i'm not going to show you a clip on everything because i've been looking at this for a long time what they do is they destroy your water they move into areas like, for example, they, they found some shale in, I, I forget the state, but they find some shale. 
So what they do is they all come calling, right? Because remember, they've geographically surveyed your area. So they find some shale in an area. They come in. This one guy had eight representatives or nine representatives from this oil company show up on his property for a meeting with him, okay? And what they offered him was $25,000 right off the bat. Well, most of us, $25,000 would be a big deal, right? So that that starts to cloud the thinking, right? So he agrees to this $25,000. And what they say, the selling thing is this. Well, look, we have done these other wells on other people's properties, and we offer you a share of the profits. Well, <laughs> okay. So it always all sounds good in the beginning. That's how a con works, right? So this guy agrees to the $25,000 because he's out there living on this property, doesn't have much money, he's raising his kid and stuff, right? Well, what happens was he soon discovers that several things happen. The wells on his property have now shifted his house, I mean like inches, so, so his house is now shifted off of his base to the point of maybe not being able to be repaired. His water is now completely um, destroyed, his, his well system that he had on the property. Um, the noise of living next to this thing was, was traumatic for all this time. And in the end, they started paying him commissions from this great deal. Oh, I don't know, $1,000 a month, and now it's a few hundred dollars a month. His health is damaged. This is, this is how the con is working, okay? And what's happening is, is that they do not care if they destroy your water because we're doing eugenics here, right? So. I made a decision that I'm not going to go crazy over all of the contamination because just pick an area that you find interesting. <laughs> Do you find looking for shale interesting? Well, there's a bunch of shows about it, okay? And they will tell you about all the chemicals and how they pump that stuff down here. <laughs> I'm going to stick with where the crime lies, not how they're conducting the crime, okay? Okay, mineral rights are property rights to exploit an area for the minerals it harbors. Mineral rights can be separated from property rights. They call that also split estate. These words are critical. You know these few words and you're off and running, okay? Mineral rights can refer to sedentary minerals that do not move below the earth's surface or fluid minerals such as oil or natural gas. There are three major types of mineral property. Unified estate, severed or split estate, and fractional ownership of minerals. Owning mineral rights, often referred to as mineral interest or mineral estate, gives the owner the right to exploit, mine, now this is the person that's looking for stuff under your property. Keep that in mind, okay? Gives the owner the right to exploit, mine, and produce any or all minerals they own. Minerals can refer to as oil, gas, coal, metal ore, stones, sands, or salts. An owner of mineral rights may sell, lease, or donate those minerals to any person or company as they see fit. Mineral interests can be owned by private landowners, private companies, or federal, state, or local governments. Sorting these rights are a large part of mineral exploration. What I did was I found this um, mineral rights attorneys page. <laughs> um, some of these people write some pretty good pieces. Okay, so um, 
so what they did was they, um, they, they outlined how these rights work, okay? And here's where the catch is, okay? There are several states within the United States that you only own the surface, okay? You do not own the mineral rights under your property. Okay, so, and this law firm made it easy for me because they were blabbing on about this stuff, so, because they said that they only, they trade in these states, so I thought, well, <laughs> this is the list, right? <laughs> these attorneys always know where the, where the bait is, right? Okay, the states, as I understand it. Now, please keep in mind, you might, maybe they, maybe they're doing it in another state since the time that I looked, okay? This is all about sharing my work so you can kind of take it from here, okay? So far, as I know it, the states that are different are Texas, Oklahoma, North Dakota, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Louisiana, and Ohio, okay? Ohio is interesting because Ohio is where they had that big train crash, right? Okay. So, um, mineral rights... And we need to understand these words, okay? Mineral rights are often severed from surface rights in states such as Texas, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Louisiana, Colorado, and New Mexico. In the United States, it is possible for private individuals to purchase land and own the right to develop and exploit that land, including any natural surface found below but what it is is that um, only these uh, and I don't know about what other states are planning but I, I did look at because I believe that right now they're probably working to um, change the rights in different states because they're, they're right now mapping things out right so what would be that they couldn't they, they could just say well okay now we're going to expand states because if they identify a state that has a lot of minerals <laughs> underneath that state now that they have the capability now that they have the u.s's new push to, to identify minerals they could be in the future you may be sitting there thinking well i don't live in colorado not important to me well in the future how these things always work they start somewhere right so once they start laying out these geological maps, I would have to say that that will likely lead them to the conclusion that they should possibly change the laws in some of these places, okay? And let me see here. Um, because I also found this, and this is why I got suspicious, right? Um, the U.S. Department of the Interior announced the investment of $74.6 million across 30 states for critical minerals research and mapping on June the 21st, 2022. Now, I don't know where they are with this, but they've got the funding, okay? <laughs> they've got the funding. They're looking, I think, I, I'm just thinking, check me on this, go do your own work. I think, I think that they're going to be looking. <laughs> they're spending taxpayer dollars to identify these places, right? We're all clear on that to uncover this stuff, right? So here's some keywords you're going to be looking for. Okay. 
because I was trying to figure out, well, how exactly, what's the plan for figuring out these minerals, right? Okay, so what's the plan? Let me tell you what the plan is. It's something, okay. So they've given out, as of 2022, which was, we're now in 2023, so it was exactly one year ago, they gave out 74.6 million across 30 states, okay, for critical research and mapping. Okay, who's doing that? The Earth Mapping Resources Initiative, it's called Earth MRI, is a partnership between the USGS State Geological Surveys and Industry to acquire new geological maps, geophysical surveys, and LIDAR, it's L-I-D-A-R, data to better understand the fundamental geological framework of areas across the nation with potential for hosting critical mineral resources. The goal of Earth MRI is to improve our knowledge of <laughs> A good robber always wants to know where the money is, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll, I'll make sure he's going to sit down here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me start all over again. <clears throat> the Earth Mapping Resources Initiative, also known as Earth MRI, is a partnership between USGS, that means the United States Geological Group or whatever, okay? Probably, it's a government place. And state geographical surveys. And industry to acquire new geological maps. So up until this date, they have not had these things, okay? <coughs> new geological maps geophysical surveys and LIDAR data. I, I have to look up what LIDAR, L-I-D-A-R data to better understand the fundamental geological framework of areas across the nation with potential for hosting critical mineral resources. The goal of Earth MRI is to improve our knowledge of the geological, that's where I left off, <laughs> I don't want to try not to start laughing again. <coughs> The goal of Earth MRI is to improve our knowledge of the geological framework in the United States and to identify areas that may have the potential to contain undiscovered critical mineral resources. So then I was looking a little further about this USGS, that's the part that we start off with, with these people planning the new NATO the United States is. <coughs> Let me see if I can get that stop here with me. Wow, I love having this pause button today. I figured that, you know, I've been adapting as I go along, and I haven't had a real need to pause before, but now that we're all kind of <laughs> handicapped around here, i got to keep on top of things. So. As your needs shift, change your patterns, right? Don't, don't stay in the same pattern. Your needs shift, change your patterns. Okay, let me put this on pause.
Okay, let me see here. Where was I? Um, okay. Okay, so USGS is the mineral. Let me make sure I click myself back on here. Okay. USGS Mineral Resources Program is called MRP, okay? Delivers unbiased, this is gonna be hard to read, okay? <laughs> I got I got this, this part I have to be serious about, okay? But it's hard to read. USGS Mineral Resources Program, MRP, delivers unbiased science and information to increase understanding of ore formation, undiscovered mineral resource potential production, consumption, and how minerals interact with the environment. The MRP supports data collection and research on a wide variety of non-fuel mineral resources that are important to the nation's eco economic and national security. So we're looking for non-fuel mineral resources is another category you're looking at, right? <clears throat> because, I mean, they're looking for it all, right? But if they find if they find some minerals that are better than the than the than the gas under your property, well, guess where they're going to go for, right? Okay. Um, and I was looking for how long these people had been around, and it's interesting. At the USGS. Mineral Resources Programs Earth Mapping Resource Initiative, or Earth MRI, wraps up its first year. So this thing just basically got started, right? Some data acquisition highlights include those from Hicks Dome, Omaha Dome, and the Cofield Anomaly of the Central United States. Other Earth MRI projects, including those that are complete, ongoing, I, I don't know where the rest of them were, but anyway, so the fact that mineral rights can be privately owned, okay, okay here, here, this is what they, what they try to do is they sell people on the idea that you may not own the rights, but you're going to get a lot of money if you let us access them, okay? The fact that mineral rights can be privately owned in the United States means that homeowners with rights to valuable resources on their property, th and this would be in states like Colorado and Texas, okay? So if you know that you've got mineral rights under your property, you can enter into a deal with these people to sell your, animal your mineral rights, okay? So you can sell to private corporations, sometimes generating substantial upfront or ongoing royalty payments by doing so. A common example of such transaction involves properties located on subterranean oil reserves, which can attract purchases from oil extraction companies. And I'm not going to go into it today. What they did was they figured out that the oil and gas people weren't taking everything they could take, right? They figured out in, I don't know, in 2005 that if they fractured the rocks and did all this fracturing, all this dangerous stuff, that there's more money to be made. That's what they figured out, okay? Um, so mineral rights are an important consideration when purchasing real estate. Mineral rights are often severed from surface rights, so we've already talked about that. I believe, just my belief, that... Um, 
Well, let me read this part first. It's going to be easy for them to change this into they have access to it all is what I believe, okay? But it went on to say, to mitigate against this risk, homeowners should ensure that they carefully study their property's land title records to verify whether the surface rights and mineral rights are included as part of their purchase. These documents are generally available through the records offices of the local property appraisal authority or the county clerk's offices. So, um, because what they did was they started doing this horizontal oil drilling, which, you know, at this stage of the game, I'm just trying to expose what the crime is that I believe moving forward. I really can't invest... I've explored all this stuff. I understand all this stuff, but I'm not going to today talk about, oh, they use all these chemicals. Oh, my God, look what they did over there because that kind of misses the whole point here, right? So <clears throat> what you're looking for, you're looking for what your surface rights are, right? What Do you have a split estate? Do you have the mineral rights? I think you're going to be... Um, so it went on to say in this one section I'll read to you, this severability can create tension between mineral right owners and surface right owners if the surface right owners do not want to allow the mineral rights owners to use their property to access their minerals. This is becoming even more present in the light of recent unconventional oil and gas development made feasible by technology advancement such as hydraulic fracturing. Problems include water pollution, fluid storage issues, and surface damage. These are commonly, especially common in West Virginia gas wells of the Marcel Shale that was talked about earlier. Often companies will offer a surface rights owner a surface use agreement, which can provide financial compensation to the surface owner, or more commonly, offer some concessions on how the minerals are accessed. For example, some surface use agreements require the company to access the property from specific roads or points on the property. A major issue involving fluid mineral rights, which are different than the ones we're talking about, right? Fluid mineral rights is the rule of capture whereby minerals capable of migrating beneath the earth's surface can be extracted even if the original source was another person's mineral property. So yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, um, it's a big deal. So you can do what you want, but I, I uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, I could go on for a hundred years about all this stuff right now, but it would be repetitive. I don't think we know what we own, right? And I think I've kind of made that point here because there's a million things. They have, they have breakdowns of what all this means. Bottom line is know what you own because what they do is they can give you royalty checks. They can do a lot of things, right? Because it's all about the money. And in the end, None of us are going to gain from the money. They might set up a couple of your neighbors to make a lot of money, right? A couple of your neighbors who are probably connected to them somehow or something, right? So 
they could set up a few people to look like they're winning. That's how the game works, right? This, this, this takes back to the early carnival days, right? In the very beginning of this country, they had these carnivals that traveled all around. And the carnivals were entertainment. And at the carnivals, what they did was they set up shills. <laughs> the shills were the people that would act like they were winning at these carnival things, right? Well, can you explain to me how any of this is any different? I mean, the internet is full of shills talking about Wuhan or this or that, right? Um, and then you're also seeing kids are now, like 80% of children now want to be social media people because they want the power and they want the fame. And more importantly, they want the money. Why? Because they see a few people doing this. Well, those few people are typically their people, right? So that is how a con works, right? You set it up so it appears that a few people have won. And what I'm going to be doing now is... Um, because what's going on is Africa. I was looking into Africa, but it is a monstrous deal. And it's administered by the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy. I do not believe that anyone in Africa is going to find out that they owned the mineral rights. Now, do I know this for a fact? No. I looked into Africa for quite a great deal. I had to decide what was I going to share with you today? Well, <laughs> I have to focus on things that you hopefully will take away from this and do something about, right? So, I was also looking at who are the, uh, there are some new partners. We started with this new thing that um, the Mineral Security Partnership, blaze that into your brain, MSP. So, I was looking at who have they signed up so far. Now, I do not know if this list is correct or complete, but I'll tell you what I know as of right now, okay? The United States and key partner countries have announced the establishment of the Mineral Securities Partnership, an ambitious new initiative to bolster critical mineral supply chains. MSP partners include Australia, Canada, Finland, France, Germany, Japan, the Republic of Korea, Sweden, and the UK, the United States, and the European Commission. These countries are committed to building robust, responsible, critical mineral supply chains to support economic prosperity and climate objectives. So I think that, in a nutshell, tells you what the scam is, right? And I looked, I, I couldn't find much in um, Africa, but what I did find was this. Um, there are many mineral-rich countries in the developing world, blah, blah, blah. Um, for example, over two-thirds of the world's known lithium reserves are in Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile, also known as the Lithium Triangle. The Democratic Republic of Congo holds the world's largest cobalt reserves. Baxite reserves are highly that's B-A-U-X-I-T-E reserves are highly concentrated in Brazil, Guinea, Indonesia, and Jamaica. So that, that, that gives you your target list, right? Um, so uh, I don't know well, where are they going here. Uh, I think I really said enough about this stuff. Um, they're, they're opening up Alaska. This, this thing is, uh, okay, uh, 
they what they carved out of this thing, right, which is interesting, it's always interesting to look for, I was looking for what doesn't this new mineral searching the world include, right? So um, it said, although gold is essential for electronics, USGS does not count it as a critical because the country has adequate domestic reserves such as the output from the Kensington mines. So I don't know what that means. They, they carved out gold and a couple of other things. Um, so, so because what I was looking at, um, they've been doing baseline studies and carving out certain things. So I suggest if you're looking at your area and you want to know what they have approved, I would also suggest that you look for what have they what, what, what are they not talking about, right? What are they not talking about? That's what you're always looking for, right? Um, so I think that, uh, let me scroll down here a minute. The goal of the MSP is to ensure that critical minerals are produced. Yeah, see, this is all about, this leads all into this uh, thing, and I don't think that I have a real reason to go on and on because we already talked about it all. So you're looking for critical minerals, right? That's your target. You're looking for critical minerals, and you're looking for your area. What, what kind of critical air minerals do you have in your area? That would be suspicious. You're also looking for um, keep your eyes on a keep your head on a swivel over these high-powered electronic things buzzing around, right? Um, so yeah, uh, I was looking a little bit further, which I'll say here is um, I was looking about. What are the scientific people? Scientific organizations play an important role in the mining industry by conducting research. In the context of mining rights in the D Democratic Republic of Congo, scientific organizations are eligible for mining and quarry rights if their object relates exclusively to mining activities. This means that scientific organizations can apply for and obtain the appropriate rights to conduct research and exploration activities in the country. So yeah, so scientific organizations under the guise of them being scientists can say, hey Africa, <laughs> why don't we come in here and we'll take a look at your minerals. Hmm. Well, that's where the trap is, right? Okay, so here's, I'm going to close with something interesting, okay? Uh, there's this there's this saying called cats, C-A-T-S, in a cradle, okay? Cats in a cradle. What's cats in a cradle mean? I played the song once before. There's a, there's a famous song called Cats in the Cradle, okay? And what's the meaning of the expression cats in the cradle? If someone says that the cats in the cradle with two people, they mean that something is disrupting their relationship. The phrase cats in the cradle is often used to refer to situations in which one person has neglected another or there is a total breakdown of communication. What I'm proposing, and I'm just going to say this because I prefer for you to come to your own ideas, my idea is this. We have all become cats in the cradle, okay? Because we have learned through these people to want to be, let's say, money-grubbing people like them, right? Look to be prosperous and rich and all that stuff. Well, we've neglected a lot of things in our own realm. 
in an effort to get those things. So my view is we have all become cats in a cradle. But I'll continue on here because I found it, I found it interesting, okay? The origins of the phrase cats in the cradle is a well and good to know where the, so anyway, so there is this Chapin, C-H-A-P-I-N is a person that did the song Cats in the Cradle, okay? The chorus of Chapin's 1974 song reels of a series of children's songs. The lyric is the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. The man in the moon and little boy blue are both nursery rhymes. Many people believe the cats in the cradle refers to the Dutch fairy tale, the cats, the cat and the cradle. So um, the implication here would be that these story, in these stories, the father in the story was too busy to read to his son. And you'll understand when I play the song in a minute. <clears throat> so there's also a game called Cat's Cradle. It involves creating a cradle of sorts out of strings using one's fingers and then passing it to another person. It involves give and take between two people and mutual trust. If there is no trust, the cradle will collapse. This is a metaphor for a relationship. There must be mutual trust and a mutual give and take. Otherwise, the cradle cannot hold up. This is, of course, the case with the father and son in Shape and Song. But there is even more to this than the phrase cats in the cradle. Let me see. Chapin was likely also referencing the old wives' tale that if babies are neglected, cats climb into their cradles and kill them by sucking their breath away. This odd and morbid urban legend seems to have its roots in, real life, in a real-life case that took place in Plymouth, England in 1791. The case involved the death of a baby in its cradle, and the jury found that the cause of death was suffocation by a cat. In 1921, a doctor in Nebraska witnessed the family pet in the act of sucking a child's breath. This story contributed to the myth spreading. It has been shown that any death thought to have been caused by evil breath-sucking cats were likely caused by SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, which I, you know, I, I don't want to get started on that sudden infant death because there's a reason why babies are dying in their cribs. <coughs> so let <coughs> me get back here to the fun part. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> okay, so. In the song, Cats in the Cradle, Chapin is making a point about the perils of neglect and what happens when a parent is not there to put their child to bed and read them stories. Even if the child is not likely to be smothered by an actual cat, a parent's neglect can cause the relationship between parent and child to be metaphorically smothered. Today, the phrase cats in the cradle is used to describe situations in which a relationship has been fractured. It is frequently used when there has been neglect of one person by another. 
However, it can be used to describe any situation in which two people struggle to get along with each other. The phrase cats in the cradle is usually used to describe a broken parent-child relationship, but it can also be used to describe other kinds of fractured family relationships or even unhappy romantic relationships. And here's some examples. Ever since he got that new job at corporate, the cat's been in the cradle and he has stopped spending time with his daughter. The cat's in the cradle with my father and brother at the moment. They can barely even look at one another anymore. When Shirley's dad cheated on her mother, Shirley just decided the cat's really in the cradle now and stopped calling him altogether. By the time Lenhart found it to himself to apologize to Shauna, it was too late. All she said was, Lenhart, the cat's in the cradle with us. <laughs> when Brian had a hissy fit in the hallway, his teacher, Miss Marks, turned to her colleague, Mr. Branson, and said, Well, he's just like his dad. The apple obviously doesn't fall far from the tree. I think the cat's in the cradle with this one. <laughs> when James asked Shamira how her sister was doing, all she said was, well, the cat's in the cradle with Yasmin and her partner again, so you can imagine she's not doing too well. John, can we talk? Alex. Why? To speak with you is basically to dance with the devil, even though I want to spend time with you. I always end up getting hurt. John, I'm sorry if you feel that way. I just feel like the cat's in the cradle with us, and I want to resolve things. Before he introduced her to his parents and brother, he took her, to, he took her aside and said, just to give you a heads up, you might want to brace yourself. The cat's in the cradle with my whole family. <laughs> how far we have drifted, how far we have drifted. So, well, I think that possibly, you know, we're on this game board to think and talk about our relationships is that, are we really gonna let these people come in and fracture us anymore? take over our land, take over our children, take over our people. I don't know what the plan is, but uh, I think that, I think we got into this position that, I've said this before when I played this song, that somehow to me, it appears that somehow we all have become voluntarily cats in this cradle. Now granted, it's a game board, but still, I, this is what I think, so I thought, well, this will clear up to you why do I think we're cats in a cradle because we gave up our labor for money okay they introduced money so we give up our labor for money now and to give up that labor for money everybody got engaged women left the children home to do the modern thing get into the workforce right well that was a trick right so we've all become a codependent country of people who have been listening to all the wrong people right and the irony, I really, <clears throat> if you ask me in all these years, what is one thing that I found disappointing? Well, I try to look on the sunny side of the street sometimes. I, you may not 
realize that, but I do. Um, but the part that I will always continue to go back to is how cheaply we gave ourselves up for these people. They would have nothing without our labor. They wouldn't have those expensive things. And go look at my show. I just posted that video over on um, my website. Click on Elite Transgenders video and you will find it. They would be nothing without our labor. So why exactly did we become cats in a cradle? Because we're a very nice group of people and psychopaths know how to manipulate nice people. It's as clear as that and as simple as that. Just as simple as that. They fed us lies and we were always looking for more hope and more opportunity. So how did we become cats in a cradle? Well, we are cats in a cradle. So I think our goal in all of this to understand how we got here is to understand how did we become these cats in these cradles. So let me play the song for you. And I swear I'm going to try not to interrupt. But I want to ask you this. Are we going to keep being cats in a cradle while they rip up Africa and every... You know, all these minerals are going to land in poor countries, right? You got that memo, right? Um, they're aggressively in this country moving in on the states that they've already gotten authorization to, like Texas and Colorado. And I encourage you to go look. There's a lot of stories out there. And <clears throat> there's some interesting stories about these people are being driven off their land and really out of their minds by these people because if you're on a if you have a piece of property in Colorado <clears throat> you're not supported by a team of attorneys right and it's just you and your family and these people are on property that they have inherited since the 1800s since this place got started right so these people have inherited property from their grandparents and this kind of stuff and people that inherit property have a much different mindset in this part of the country. I've been living in the Midwest for many years. They, they pass along their property. They typically do not sell. So this affects generations upon generations of people when they figure out that you've got something that these people want. <clears throat> and these people are fighting tooth and nail right now over there to try to get some resolution, which sadly, I mean, okay, I'm not gonna be, be gloom and doom, but let's face it, the law is on their side, okay? So just remember that, just remember that. And is there any way to stop them? Well, I don't know, really. I could get really engaged right now. I could fly off in a million directions about all the harm they've done to all of us, but go look at my timeline. I'm not gonna do it right now because um, I think we all need to think individually of what was our part in this and what is going to be our part in this to move forward. There's people out there doing a lot of interesting things. There's people in Africa trying to understand what's going on with the minerals there. There are people around. There are people around doing things. I encourage you in solidarity to decide what is the purpose of your life? Is it to, I don't know, I can't say that. It's not, it's not for me to say. I can only call the bells and the balls and the strikes. <laughs> A child arrived just the other day. They came through the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for a new. Invention. 
thought I pushed the wrong button. Well, all, <laughs> I'm so used to all these years I pushed specific buttons, so I'd like to say goodbye for now. Staying alive, kids. Stay alive on that game board. Don't let them knock you down. Figure out why you're here and go for it. What's the risk, right? game board now isn't it kids who would have guessed who would have guessed the trick right now is do your part
sent you that. It said, going nowhere. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Yeah. We have all of the answers right inside of our little bodies here. And if this 72-year-old woman can sit here in Nebraska getting the heck zapped out of me and still want to be part of the group that we came here to be part of and not part of that group and share what I know with the rest of you, then I would hope that if you can't get up and dance, maybe you can do something. What, what, what is this all about? Not my question to answer for you. Got my own questions answered. So anyways, I'll be back if I can, when I can. I don't know. I'm just getting so much information that's interesting that this one today, too big of a crime to put off, right? So anyways, if you can't join them, at least try to figure out what's up and do something about it. So goodbye for now and be safe out there.